You have one unheard message. Hi, I was calling Current, the influencer marketing platform, but I think I just got redirected to a bunch of people listening to a podcast. Well, anyways, I was calling Current because I was told they could help get my brand set up on TikTok Shop and even build out an affiliate program of content creators promoting my brand and even have those content creators go on live streams and promote my product there. Wow, I could really use Current. I also heard that the brands they work with are making millions in sales. I guess I'll just go to their website at current.tech. All right, guys, welcome back. EYL, LA, Hometown Heroes Edition. That's a fact. Yeah, shout out to Los Angeles. We are sheltering in place in the great city of LA. One of my favorite places in the whole entire world. Respectfully. <laughs> Absolutely. So while we out on the West Coast for the summer, we definitely, um, you know, planned on getting a lot of content done. So this is the first of hopefully many episodes that we will be recording while we are in Los Angeles yeah. with West Coast natives. Um, and this is very rare to actually meet somebody from LA or the greater LA area because everybody that's in LA is like from somewhere else. Like you meet them, they're like from Toronto or Chicago or Houston, everybody comes to LA from different places, but Ernest Dukes is actually from the OC, which is <laughs> close enough, close enough. That's to LA, LA, right? <laughs> Southern California, the LA, the greater LA area. And um, he's a really superstar in, in the game of um, being a publicist and a, and a TV producer. And it's actually crazy because I just found out, so I was talking to MG, the mortgage guy. If you're a loyal listener of Earn Your Leisure, you know who Matt is. He's a close, close friend of ours and one of our most prestigious alumni. Um, so MG the mortgage guy, I'm talking to him like a few weeks ago and uh, he's like, yeah, DJ Envy um, hooked me up with this publicist. So I'm thinking about, you know what I'm saying, working with a publicist. So I'm like, yeah, he's like, and the publicist told me, he was like, well, you know, have you heard of this podcast called Earn Your Leisure? You're like, you should try to get on that podcast. And he was like, I'm the best episode on Earn Your Leisure. <laughs> By the way. <laughs> he, was like, oh, he was like, oh, if you want to ever earn your leisure, you already... He's like, yeah, I made them go in the top 10. Da, 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 da. <laughs> Yo, he did say that. <laughs> he did say that. that is true. So, that part is true. So it, so <laughs> as as fate would have it, shout out to our guy Ladoon, another EYL alumni. Yep. Uh, my God versus my enemies. Um, he hooked it up with our partner, Mike, to get us uh, our first interview in LA with, like I said, Ernest Dukes, who is a publicist. And it's actually interesting because we haven't talked to a publicist yet. Mm -hmm. We haven't talked to a TV producer yet. So I run down, he has a long list of accomplishments, but he's the owner in, uh, of a marketing and PR company called the Nottingham Group. Mm -hmm. um, he represents a, few, uh, a lot of celebrity clients. Some of them are Jeezy, Remy Ma, Fashion Nova, Keisha Cole, uh, Lala Milan. Some of his past clients were Nick Cannon, uh, K. Michelle, Scott Stortz, um, Tammy Roman, 112. And uh, he has a bunch of stuff going. He has annual um, business and branding workshops that he does once a year, I believe once a year. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, called uh, Earnest Living Tour, where he's had guests like Mona, Stock, Mona Scott, um, Tyson Beckford. He also has a book that he uh, is the author of called Caption God, which talks about 500 captions on social media to increase engagement. Um, and he has a web series called um, Black Publicist Working. So this is going to be a very informative, a lot going on, bro. educational <laughs> episode. I don't even know. And it's perfect that we, you know, we in Hollywood, the perfect place to do it. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Thank you all for having me. I appreciate y'all. Appreciate you. Now we can have Shadi do this for you, like for the rest of your career. 
I'm here for it. I'm here for it. <laughs> when he was talking, I'm like, who's he talking to? <laughs> That's me. We're open to that. <laughs> Yo, side note, I'm so jealous of y'all because when I did my tour, the Earnest Living tour, um, I really wanted to call my, my people. You know how they have like the little fans or whatever? Yeah. Or like the community? I'm like, I want to call them the earners. And they're like, oh. I'm like, this some shit. Uh, <laughs> shout out to all the earners. Out so, shout yeah. out to the earners. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. We're going to use that as a drop. <laughs> so, all right. So let's start at the beginning because I'm interested in this. Because like I said, we actually thought about hiring a publicist. I, I just told him when we uh, were in Chicago, I uh, saw Mandy, shout out to Mandy, another alumni. And I was like, yo, Mandy, we were watching her go to all these events. And we would look like, yo, we, we need a publicist. We need to be in these events. Yeah. And she was kind of like, why you need it? And I gave her a bunch of reasons and she was like, nah, you guys are great where you are. You know, you just see how far you can go without it first and then if you what really the need reasons, it. reasons though that you told us? I, number one was like, look, we need to be in events that other people are in. We need a little bit more notoriety. We hadn't had any press really. And she was like, I'm not sure that's what a publicist does. I think you need to figure out the roles first. And then we had another conversation. She was like, keep going the way you're going. I like the way you guys are doing this. And we'll, we'll, we'll talk later. And we haven't talked about it since, but that, like when you said that, one of the episodes that you listened to was Mandy. I'm like, yeah, that's ironic because she had this conversation with me about the publish uh, position. Yeah, yeah. So, all right. So before we even start, how do you how do you get started in being a publicist? I mean, you're in the best city, L.A. for for that. But you never worked with an agency. You was always independent. You told me so. Mm. You just like run down on people like, hey, let <laughs> nah, me get you in the magazine. Cool. I've never been that person. So, all right. So let me start from the beginning. Growing up, it's gonna sound super funny and corny. I wanted to do acting when I was a kid, like a teenager. And so I would come from Orange County to LA and I would always do these acting classes. Mm -hmm. And at the time, like a lot of the people that I was hanging out with have become successful to this day. Like um, coming up, like I would run around with, like Kiki Palmers and like Quincy and Kofi from uh, Queen Sugar on OWN. And so by hanging out with them, I, I would always get invited to events. And so one day I got invited to some event. I saw Jackie Christie, uh, who's on Basketball Lives. And so, she was super nice. Uh, she was on the red carpet and, and she was sweating, so I was fanning her. And, <laughs> you know, I'm like, hey, I'm trying to look out for you because it's like it was like sweating, right? And so when she, when I was finished and she was done doing her interview, she gave me a hundred dollars, and she's like, here's some change, and I'm like, some change? Like, I, 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 the time I was broke as hell, so I'm like, what can I do for some more change, right? Yeah. So every time I would go out and I would see her, I always try to be nice and cordial because I want to get some more change. You brought the fan with you? Nah, I was like, what you need? Like I would have though, you know. And so she asked me like, who's your publicist? Because you always you are always at the same events that I'm at. And I didn't know what a publicist was. And so I'm like, well, shit, I guess it's me because no one else is here. And so she's like, if I pay you, can you get me into events? And I'm like, yeah, perfect, because it was some pay involved. Mm -hmm. And I, again, wasn't making money. And so from there, uh, her and her husband had written a book called No Ordinary Love. It was a, uh, they co-authored it together. And then Basketball Wives happened. And on that show, there was nobody, none of those women had publicists. They didn't even know what a publicist was. Like, you know, think about it, like you're just a, a wife or a girlfriend and all of a sudden you're on television, you don't know what to do. And so they saw Jackie had a publicist and so they all started hiring me. So like season one, like I worked with wow. Malaysia and Laura Govan and like all these different women and then it just kept going from there and I became like the reality show publicist. Uh, yeah, so she had, she had a sister, right, Laura? Yeah, Gloria. So you had both of them? No, I just had Laura, they weren't getting along, so. It, oh, okay. And that's another thing I realized too quickly that those women are so competitive that it didn't really help me to like represent everybody because everyone, like for example, when I had Laura and Malaysia, they got into a fist fight. Ooh. So it's like, what do you do? Like, who, what do you, you know, how do who you? Who won? No. Well, legend. I think it's on Worldstar. You can go check it out. <laughs> they both have hands, though. I could tell you what I saw. But yeah, and then from there, I started doing all the reality shows. I got people on Love and Hip Hop. I got Hollywood X's on VH1. 
mob wives. Um, and like, again, becoming the reality star guy, it was looked down upon. Yeah. Like, oh, you just do reality. Cause at that time, no one cared about reality stars. It was like, mm, who cares? And then, but it's funny that, it's funny that um, people look down on me for having reality stars because that's what actually got me my job at Fashion Nova. Mm. They saw value in reality talent as influencers, like before influencers were really a thing. It was like the reality people they would pay. And so I had so many of them, they hired me to do the PR for Fashion Nova. And that's really what people started treating me different after that. It's like, you work at Fashion Nova? You know, just I started dressing, <laughs> you know, money changed. Fashion Nova men. Yeah, so all because of reality TV, really. That's great. So you got all these clients in season one. I'm still thinking to myself, what actually does a publicist do, right? Yeah, I was thinking that too at the time because I, I never went to college for PR. Yeah. Like, really, I interned for a bunch of people. And I don't really feel like I learned what to do. I learned what not to do because, like, there were those people I interned for, with the exception of one woman, her name was Chanel Green, were all kind of just using me to, like, do things for them. Like, I wasn't learning nothing. It was like, and that's what I tell people about internships. Like, you got to really figure out, like, if the internship is in alignment with your vision. Because, like, me running to get you coffee every day is not going to ever propel me to where I want to go. Mm-hmm. I, I know how to get coffee. I know how to, you know, look at me. I, I can eat. You know, I know how to <laughs> order and Uber Eats and all that. So, uh, like, literally, it didn't help me at all. And so I started taking, like, classes. Um, like, you know, online classes or watching YouTube videos. I think I have a PhD in Google. Um, All I guess that. Google University. Yeah, like top of my class. Um, And I used to steal, but like not like steal, steal. Like, you know, I didn't like stick nobody up. But I would go to this bookstore called Borders Bookstores. I don't know if they still have them, but they used to have the price tag on the back of the book. It was a sticker. And so I would go like in the children's book section and get like Clifford the Big Red Dog and it was four dollars and I would take that sticker off and put on the back of like the art of publicity that was sixty dollars I had like a CD-ROM in the back before there was apps and stuff and I would go and like pay for that so I was stealing but like still trying to you know have a good heart with it pledge allegiance to the scramblers you know what I'm saying <laughs> and, and that's kind of like how I uh, that's how, how I learned but yeah, I, I can't remember what the original question was. I started thinking about stealing and going to jail. Well, I, th- um, <laughs> I, th- I think he was saying, like, what's the actual role? Could I, like, what's the what's role the of a publicist? What's the actual role of a yeah. publicist? In the beginning, I didn't know, like I said. So I kind of operated as a best friend for hire. Like, these women would call and be like, oh, my husband's cheating on me. And I'd be on the phone, like, what happened? Like, <laughs> you know, John 316 said, like, you know, giving them scriptures. John 316. <laughs> you know, I'm serious. Cause I'm thinking, like, this is what you're supposed to do. <laughs> this is what you need, this you healing. Know, Come get this healing. Like, I'm doing everything else. You know, I'm fixing shit and getting them pressed. Um, so I really didn't know in the beginning. But now I have, like, really learned and mastered the art of it. So what I would say, a publicist, like, I am in charge of how the public consumes your image, or your brand, or your project. So for different people, I do different things. Some people come to me for branding, which is like I'm involved with your overall like look of your brand, um, everything that you, I guess, accumulate under your brand. So for example, like Tammy Roman, when I started working with her, she was on Basketball Wives. She had just hit somebody in the face. I forget which season it was. Um, but she hit somebody and she's like, I don't need to clean my image. Like they are saying I'm a bully. And I'm like, all right, cool, let's figure this out. So we went and did press. Um, and all different markets were in Atlanta, New York, uh, LA, of course, like really trying to show like a different side of her that people don't see yeah. on the TV show. And then from there and getting to know her, I realized she was funny and she was doing her bonnet chronicle. She was on Instagram talking and um, really blowing up on Instagram for that. And so I'm like, well, what, what more can we do? So together, her and I created an app called Tam Motions. It was like the first talking emoji. Mm-hmm. We're number one in the app store. We beat Kim Kardashian. 
We ain't really making no money from it. That's another story. Um, but we beat her, and then from there we kept growing. So we did the scripted series on title, Bonnet Chronicles. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, we did scripted, uh, not scripted. We did stand up comedy where I co-write the jokes with her, um, and that would be more more of an example of branding. But then there are some people who just come strictly for publicity, like Scott Storch. He was uh, producing the single for Chris Brown and Rick Ross. All he wanted was to do interviews and talk about it. So I set up his press tour, we did all that stuff, and then when it was over, I got my check, he went along his way, and I ain't seen him since. You know, so uh, a shorter answer, or just like, I guess, put a button on it, is like anything from, anytime you see an artist do like magazine interviews or red carpets or um, anything that has to do with press, like the publicist is there to facilitate that. So is it based off of a relationship? So it's like, all right, I want to go on a press tour, mm-hmm. right? And um, I just put a new book out. I want to go to Breakfast Club. I want to go to, you know, Big Boy in the Morning. Mm-hmm. I want to go to Earn Your Leisure. Mm-hmm. Um, That's a big check. Big, big, big. Like <laughs> big nice check. retainer. Big check. Where else you want to go? So, <laughs> I'm so, like adding numbers in my head. <laughs> so, one, dividing the two. So how do you, all right, how do you make that happen? Is it like relationships that you've built with these people or do you just kind of cold call like how it can happen one or two ways so i think a lot of when i first started in pr there weren't a lot of publicists like and not a lot of black ones or males at that point at for that matter and then over the years i think it's become cool and trendy so now so many people do it and so those people are just getting in it they would do like a cold call or like an email or send a pitch letter and hope for the best yeah if you have a client that is um of interest they're gonna call you back you know like let's say i work with Gabrielle Union, of course they're gonna call me back. It's Gabrielle Union. Yeah. Um, I don't think that really shows like how great of a publicist you are because the talent's name is big. I, I'm always more impressed like when somebody can get like, um, you know um, Joe Jones? No. Exactly. So when you can get Joe Jones on those platforms, <laughs> that's when I'm impressed. I'm like, how you get this? How you get him over there? You know, <laughs> no one knows him, so that's impressive. Um, but for me, I did start that way, like not having any big names and really having to, like, really trying to persuade people. And um, really, it's all about relationships. So now I can like text someone at the Breakfast Club, like, hey, can you have my person come on? Or like, because I work with Nick Cannon, I can text them, like, hey, can someone come on your morning show or whatever. Um, but I was able to build relationships by investing in myself. So here's what people don't realize. When I say I work with reality clients, they don't make a lot of money. Mm-hmm. So it's not like I was making tons of bread working with them. I was making, literally, I'll tell you what I was making. When I first started with Jackie Christie, she would pay me $50 for every interview I can get her, which is crazy. Like, no one's fucking working for $50. But at the time, like, you don't understand how dead broke I was. So I'm like, $50? I had her interviewing with every WordPress blog or Blogspot blog or internet radio. I'm like, you got an interview here, interview there. And she would do it. That's bad though, for anybody listening. Like you, like less is more to me, like you want quality instead of quantity. Mm -hmm. But at the time it was like, I wanted the 50 per placement. Um, And then from there, I'm like, I'm gonna charge everybody a thousand a month. I'm gonna be rich. Realized I would never be rich making a thousand dollars a month. Um, Especially because going back to your point and building relationships, I would use that money um, to invest in myself. So like, if I got someone an interview on The Breakfast Club and I'm in LA, they barely could afford the $1,000 a month. They're not gonna afford to fly me in. Mm-hmm. So I would take the 1000 they gave me and fly myself in and put myself up just so I can put a face to the name when I meet these people. Yeah. You know what I mean? And so I really wasn't making nothing, but I think in the long term it paid off because I have so many relationships. Like I can navigate through pretty much any city now because I've been there so many times with so many clients. And now I'm to the point where I people, fly me in and it's not even like I'm in coach or in the middle seat like I get first class like I have a um I hate like a rider humbly speaking Mm -hmm. um but it's all because of like the investment I made in myself 
know? So your pay, your pay is based on the, the, the placement? So the higher the placement? You no, know, my pay now is based on uh, my name, mm. honestly. Um, I think I always tell people, like a lot of people reach out to me and I had to like really like um, tap into my discernment and discerning like, is this somebody I should work with? Or is this somebody who's just trying to chase clout? Like I've had people who've hired me and don't even have any expectations from me other than for me to put them on my page and say I represent them or for them to say like, oh yeah, my publicist does Fashion Nova and they do this person, that person because I think it makes them lit by association. Mm -hmm. um, and in the beginning, just like the $50, I'm like, come on, I got you. I'm, I'm their publicist because I want the money. Yeah. You know, and now, um, not now, but like later in life, I realized that like all money wasn't good money and I, I cared more about my reputation than like trying to make some bread. Um, <clears throat> and so again, like most publicists, they'll charge you not necessarily based on the placements. Uh, I think back in the day, there was a way that people would factor that in. Like they would say like how much each outlet, were, like what the value was. And mm -hmm. like this was valued at this. And the way they would create the value is by seeing how much they charge for an ad. So like, let's say you guys charge $100 for a 15 second ad. And I got somebody a 10 minute interview on your thing. I would charge, you know, uh, $400 for every minute. So, all right. So um, what's the going rate for publicists now, I believe you said um, like five thousand to twenty five hundred dollars a month. Yeah, so I think most people, on average, will charge uh, twenty five to five thousand. But again, there's some people who charge less, some people who charge more. It just really depends. Um, and honestly, it's like a business where you make your own rate. It's mm. like, what do you charge for ads on your podcast? Whatever you want. You know, some people charge they rent or they overhead, and that's all they want to make. Or some people. Um, they, t they think uh, less is more. They, they operate with less is more mentality. Like, I'd rather get 10 clients for $1,000, make 10000 than trying to hustle up two clients that'll pay five. Um, so I think it all depends. For me, um, yeah. What do you charge? It depends. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was thinking, like, should I say what I charge? It really, just, <laughs> it really does just depend on, like, uh, the level of client. Like, I have a strategy behind, like, what I charge, and I always try to, uh, factor like how much time is this going to take for me like if it's Fashion Nova and I know I'm going to be on the phone with you guys on a million Zoom calls now because we're in COVID but uh, all these Zoom calls every day and it's taken away from working other projects and obviously I'm going to charge more for that if it's something like uh, a Nick Cannon at the time he was doing his music stuff so it wasn't a lot that was going on I still charged you know um, more than what I, than that I said in that uh, range but it was less than significantly less than like what I would have charged somebody who's taking more of my time. So is it is it something that you need ongoing? Like let's say we want to uh, just a, a run for the book, right? Mm -hmm. Is it like I, I get a publisher for three months and then I'm good, or is it like something that you just need to yeah. have like every month indefinitely? I think that's dependent upon like what your vision is, right? Mm -hmm. So if your goal is only to promote this book, then I would say do a can like a three month campaign for the book. But if your thing is like I want something long term where I want this person to be invested in my brand and I want them to bring me opportunities and I want them to find opportunities when there's nothing going on, then I would say do something ongoing. Like for you guys and having your show, I don't know if you have a talent book or if you book it yourself, um, but I would say, oh yeah, you can have a publicist for the Earn Your Leisure podcast because you guys have so many dope uh, guests on, but how many times are people syndicating it on other platforms? Mm. And what I mean by syndicating it is like, for example, like you can have your interview with Ryan Leslie you can send it out like, hey, we did an interview with Ryan Leslie. I don't know how much pickup that's going to get. But if you had a publicist, they can say, here, they did an interview with Ryan, Le Ryan Leslie. 
uh, you did the excerpts from the interview, like Ryan Leslie on starting a business, Ryan Leslie on the first time he lost a million dollars. So you're really almost doing the work for these outlets to write their stories for you guys. And then we're including photos with it. So that way, when people search Earn Your Leisure, like you're turning more people onto the podcast, you're helping your SEO. So when they Google y'all, y'all, of course, you're going to be the first thing on Google because you're a unique name, mm -hmm. but it just helps with all of that. And so that would be something that would be more long term. You don't tell somebody, yeah. do that for three months and then stop, you know? So uh, uh, that's a lot, right? So what is it like juggling all different types of clients? Because I'm sure you have to deal with multiple different type of personalities. What's, what's that yeah, like? Yeah, um, I've never done crack, but <laughs> 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 when I be seeing them in the movies, they be doing all that. I'm like, I can relate to that shit. I've never done it though. Uh, it, it was like that. Now, like I mentioned, I, I have a handful of clients now. I'm in a position where I'm very selective now. So I'm like, do I like that? Like, is it gonna like, like when I see them call, am I gonna be like, not this person again? Or is it gonna be somebody I'm excited to talk to, I'm gonna be calling them. And so if I don't have that level of excitement, I don't wanna do it. Cause at the t uh, one time I would have everybody. I'd be like, I have 20 clients making $5 an hour. Like <laughs> when you break it all down, like I wasn't yeah. really making no money. And I was also um, very big on like, I was when Puff was like, I don't sleep, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, I don't, I'm gonna sleep when I'm dead. And the nigga almost died. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I need to go to sleep. Pivot, time to pivot. You know? so, so now I'm like, <laughs> I'm like quality of life. So I'm going to sleep. I ain't staying up all night. Y'all can have that. And um, um, easy for me to balance them. Yeah. You know? So, so that's part of it, right? Dealing with the clients, but they also have teams too. So what's it like dealing with their manager or their agent and now having everything you as a is, Everything is different. I think the time, I only have issues with dealing with a team member is when I'm brought on to work as someone's independent publicist for a label. So for example, with Jeezy, um, now I'm, I'm his publicist because he's not with a label, but like for his last two albums, he was on Def Jam. Mm -hmm. And so it would be myself as his independent publicist and then you have a Def Jam publicist. And that would be hard. And it's always hard when you're working with a label publicist because we're all trying to, we're all trying to show that you know, we're worth what you're paying us, that we're needed. And there are only but so many outlets. So it's like, if I'm pitching for a breakfast club and they're pitching for a breakfast, well, that's a whole other story because then he also has a radio person too. So I learned that quick. A radio publicist? Well, they just handle all radio, radio okay. like in terms of radio ads or um, radio interviews or whatever. So no one touches radio but the radio person. I didn't know that because I come from like where I had a reality client. It was just me and them. So I'm managing damn near, doing PR, marketing, everything. So that's kind of like where my mind is at. Like I can just get it done. And I remember I pitched the interview for the breakfast club and I was like, you don't ever pitch the breakfast club for him. Like, that's my job. I was like, <laughs> all right, my bad, <laughs> you know? Um, and so that's when it becomes difficult when everyone's trying to um, figure out like their role. Even with the publicist, it's like, if I'm pitching for let's say Source Magazine and he pitched for Source Magazine, it's like, and I got it. It's like, why well, talk to them first? It's like, yeah, but did you get it though? No. And it happened for me too. It's like, well, I was talking to them for two weeks, but they went around me and talked to somebody bigger and they got it. And so like, now that's something that he got to put on his press recap for the month. And I'm like, I, I ain't get that, you know? But mm -hmm. I did a lot of work. So that's hard. Um, and it's hard, that's hard in terms of like logistically. But I think mentally for me, it's hard too, because I was always in those scenarios considered like uh, the urban publicist. Mm. Even with um, Jeezy at one point, I'm like the urban publicist. After he's leaving the label, he's with, a big firm, Sunshine Stacks. And so it's like, well, this is my, for lack of better terms, you can just be frank, like this is my white publicist and this is my black publicist. So when it came to me, it was like, although I can go and get you like 
Us Weekly and get you in People Magazine just as well as I can get you on Breakfast Club and Source and hell, even like on Bossip, if we want to go just all layers of it, they would only uh, send requests to the white publicists for white stuff. And then for me, it was like, get me on Double XL, get me on Fader, get me on Complex. And I was also, I'm not going to lie, that's the same scenario I have with Nick Cannon. But Nick had a million publicists. They get a publicist for Wild and Out, a publicist for the radio show, a publicist for his acting. Then here I am doing the PR for the music. And so it's like, I was, I remember I told Nick, I'm like, hey, I got this opportunity. You can go on Larry King, you can go on The Real. He's like, I don't want to do that. I'm like, okay, well, what do you want to do? He's like, uh, I want to do an interview with This Is 50. Mm. I'm like, like, no shade of This Is 50, but I was so happy. I'm like, a TV book and like, <laughs> Like that's what we want. Like we want TV bookings because there's not as many. Like with a digital outlet, you can have a, mi- a million stories on there. You can do everybody. TV is, you know, it's only five days a week. There's limited slots, so you feel like you did something when you got it. And he was like, "No, I want to do it." And I'm like, mm, "All right, we don't want to do it." I'm like, "What about cooking with Snoop and Martha?" He's like, "Nah, I don't want to cook. <laughs> this is 50. I'm uh, bossip." I'm like, "All right." And so because I'm the black publicist <laughs> in that scenario, like I'm not even black. I'm not gonna use race for Nick. I'm the music publicist, he just wants hip hop. He wanted to be an artist, or he's an artist. He wanted hip hop outlets. And then the person who does his general press would go out and get those TV opportunities. Um, so those, that, it becomes hard working with other people in scenarios like that. I would, I would much rather, um, I won't say I'd much rather, I was, gonna say, I was gonna say I would much rather work alone, but I would work as a team if, you know, everyone was on the same page. Because a lot of times it's not. Because mm. we didn't all start together, it's like, imagine, you're my publicist and we work and, and all of a sudden I'm like, no, this is my other publicist now. You will kind of feel yeah, away. Like, well, what you needed him for? I, w- I wasn't doing good. And so now too you many go, chefs in the kitchen. Yeah, it's too yeah. much. And so there's really no way for you guys to become like this because you're always looking at him like, is he trying to replace me? You might come in with like a chip like, yeah, they needed me because you couldn't do it. And so it I don't know. It's not harmonious. Who, who needs a publicist? Like because it's like traditionally you would think, all right, an actor, actress. Mm-hmm. Musician, but now, like I said, you got mortgage brokers that's looking at publishers <laughs> and uh, financial podcasts. It's like I think the, the landscape has changed because of social yeah. media. Who's really made any any anybody can be a celebrity on social media? Like you can be a celebrity chef. Can they be? Huh? Can they though? I mean, you could put yeah. celebrity in front of it, but I'm like, can't I think so. Really? Like, what define what celebrity means? Well, celebrity like? as far as famous, mm. right? So it's like when people actually could recognize a person and add value. And I actually think that's a good thing because I always felt especially as I get older, it's like, why is a musician a celebrity? Because he's, he's, he's a good poet. What kind of value is he really adding? Some add value, but a mortgage broker is probably way more valuable. We should, we should probably celebrate the mortgage broker more than a rapper mm. who's rapping about things he's never done ever in life. Yeah. No disrespect to the rappers, but it's just reality, right? It's like even a ball player is like, okay, you, you can dribble a basketball, you entertain us, but what real value are you adding, right? Like maybe a school teacher should be celebrity over a basketball player. Or champion. Maybe champion is the word. Champion, celebrity, yeah. whatever. Yeah. But are you, and I, so when you're saying school teacher and basketball player, are you equating that to like money earned or in terms of notoriety? Notoriety. So we should all know every school teacher should be a celebrity. Ab- absolutely. Too many. Absolutely not. But every basketball player shouldn't be a celebrity either, right? But they're what I'm not, saying is they're that. They're not. I got turned some down. I don't even know. No, they are. they are. But I'm just saying that social media, I think, has created a platform. Like we've interviewed people who have way like I know a school teacher who has more followers than half of the NFL players what's she doing OnlyFans 
No, 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 no. I'm like actually really curious. Like, what are you doing? Nah, she she's become she became real big by um she works in Baltimore. Okay. And she shout out to Val. She she does like clips on. She's like a social activist stuff like that. So Rihanna follows her. Everybody. She's been on Time Magazine. Yeah. Red Table. Red Table Talk. Vogue. All kinds of stuff. She just became really lit online. Red Table. Everybody. So I say that to say she probably has more press, more write up, more than. The seventh man on the Lakers, for sure. Yeah. Now the seventh yeah. man on the Lakers has more money than her, mm-hmm. but as far as the world that we're in right now, odds are somebody like that will probably get recognized more than a linebacker that is, you know, just trying to make the team for the Lions. Right. It's the reality of it, right? So what I'm so the whole point is that I feel like social media has kind of leveled the playing field, and and has given everybody an opportunity not everybody can't be it but has given everybody an opportunity to have some fame and notoriety mm-hmm. whereas before you, you would never a mortgage broker would never have eighty thousand people that yeah. cared about them yeah they, they went and walked down the street on melrose <laughs> and somebody's like yo that's you yeah. or, you know what i'm saying like we went to a coffee shop and they're like earn your leisure and i'm yeah. like so i say that, <laughs> i say that i say that to say and like i said me that's just my own personal opinion i'm all for it because i said especially in our culture we it's out of balance who yeah. who we 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 always the celebrities have always but there's no balance like in other cultures it's like you CEOs are are superstars mm-hmm. like like um Elon Musk is a superstar mm-hmm. right Steve Jobs was a superstar like so yeah of course you have actors and actresses that are white but they also have business leaders that are superstars and politicians that are superstars as well mm-hmm. for us not so much but it's starting to change Angela Rye she's a superstar right in the poli- in the world of politics so my whole point is who needs a publicist now? Because it feels like it's opened up and everybody can be beneficial from that standpoint. Do yeah, you think I so? mean, I, yes and no. I mean, I feel like, like what you were just saying about like the teacher or um, people who are, I guess are like, um, you had said someone earlier too, I can't even remember, but because um, you were saying a lot and I was trying to hear everything. <laughs> but I think like it's not like the teacher, obviously she's a teacher, but are people following her because she's a teacher? or are they following her because of the ancillary things that she does outside of teaching? You know what I mean? So I think when you break it all down, it's like, yeah, your, your career could be whatever it is, but I think people, like you build your notoriety based on like the ancillary things. So um, for example, the mortgage uh, person who's a mortgage broker, people aren't, he's not 80,000 followers because he's just selling houses. Like what else is he doing? Is he doing webinars? Is he doing these IG lives? And he's like really trying to bring a community together and mobilize people? Is he posting listings all on, on his page and people want to look at real estate? And so it's like, it's you're not getting it just because of like the career where, I don't know if that was your what you were trying to say at one point, which is like teachers should get more than like the basketball. No, 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 I, I'm saying like as far as who actually needs a publicist, like because does, does I think is, it, is it just for musicians no, and entertainers or no. is it for business people? Is it for creatives? Like I think it's for every industry because every industry, there's something that you can maximize on. However, I do believe some people need a publicist and some people need Jesus. Like some <laughs> things it's just like, nigga, I can't do it. I can't do it. I can't figure that out for you. I'm sorry. You know, but like, for example, real estate, there's real estate magazines. You want to be on the cover of that ma- magazine. You want your listings to be first. That's something you can get someone who does marketing or publicity for you. That's going to obviously help your business. I think any anything where you can make money off of like, yeah, you should have a, you can have the you could potentially have a publicist because it's going to bring more revenue to you because all PR is is maximizing your exposure and more exposure is going to bring more money. So like if I want an ice cream truck, 
I want to maximize my exposure. Now, I don't know who's going to interview the ice cream guy. That might be more of a job for someone who does marketing to get him out there more. But I think they're, yeah, definitely would agree then with your point. So what, what type of struggles do we have to face if we're, we're choosing this career, right? Like there, there must be some things that have happened. I know I heard you say at one point, mm-hmm. you thought about giving this thing up, man. So what type of struggles uh, do people face? In well, this game? for me, it was financial struggle. I'm, like, I'm giving it up because, all right, so if I work for a PR firm and I have my set salary, I know what I'm gonna make. I have benefits, I'm gonna get paid on every two weeks or every month or however it works for them. Um, and so there's stability there. With me, if I don't hustle and go get clients, I ain't gonna eat. And then people don't tell you, it's like you might have a client, they agree on the rate and the retainer late. It ain't on time. Like my retainer's due on the first of each month. I've had people been months late on the retainer where it's like, oh, I got you. It's in my accountant. It's a net 60 or it's a net 90 or a net next year. Like, it's like <laughs> I'm like, I'm a sinister collection, man. Like, what the hell? You know? And so um, that's part of it too. Cause if you don't budget correctly, it's like, what do you do? If your rent is due on the first and your money is, due, is coming in on the first, but it's late, are you late with the rent? You getting evicted? Like, what, what is it? You know, and so I think that's a struggle for sure. Um, I'm reading this book right now by a very um, famous publicist. Her name is Terry Williams. She was, she was like one of the first publicists. She used to represent Eddie Murphy. And even just in the beginning of the book, like she was talking about like always putting her clients first, um, even at the even at her own detriment, you know? Like she was talking about, she would be out at red carpet parties and all this stuff until midnight and then come home and she would binge eat. Mm. And she'd be just in the fridge, just eating her feelings. And um, I'm like, damn, I can relate to that, you know? Uh, I'm not saying I'm eating my feelings, but I'm like, I'd be binge eating too, you know? Mm-hmm. And so as she continues in the book, like speaking of struggle, it's like, this is a job where you kind of sacrifice yourself and put yourself last. Like I, you're, for me, I'm the publicist who caters to my clients. Like, if I have a great idea, I'm like, is it for me? No, I'm going to give this to my client. Or I'm going to go travel with my client and do all these different cities on their tour for them. And I, it's okay if I don't eat. Did they eat? Did they do that? And so it's like um, that can take a toll on you mentally if you're not strong because mm-hmm. you don't really know your true worth. I had a client one time. Um, it's so funny. I was almost said her name. But I had a client one time. <laughs> yeah, so nobody's know, listening. Don't worry. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, we ain't there yet. <laughs> Just eighty something podcast. Um, yeah, but literally, like, she wanted to cut my rate in half, and I'm like, cut it in half. And she's like, because all right, this is what happened. She was famous, and her husband were famous, and they both hired me together, and I was gonna work them as a couple. Me and the husband kind of fell out because I wouldn't get involved with like their arguments, like. It's like if y'all was arguing and you're like, well, who's right? Am I right or you right? If I say he's right, you're going to be mad. And if mm-hmm. you say, if I say you right, you might be mad. And so I was always in the middle of stuff like that. And so one day he's like, you fired. I don't want to work with you no more. And so I'm thinking like, all right, well, I guess I'm fired, you know? And then she's like, no, I'm going to keep you. So, but remember, I'm working with both of them. When they asked me what the rate was, I gave them the rate. They decided to split the rate. So if they said, if they said this house was 10000 and you put five and you put five, the house is still 10,000 regardless if you move out or not. Yeah. You know, you don't just get to pay five. And that's what she wanted to do. She's like, well, I'm only paying my half. Mm. And I'm like, no, 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 the, the rate was the rate. And she's like, you're not even worth that rate. And at the time, sadly, I took the half because I believe I wasn't worth the rate. Mm. Because a lot of times, like, you don't see what happens before a client goes on a red carpet or before they go on an interview like the the words of affirmation you got to instill in these people or like all the moving parts it takes to push somebody out there to get the image that you guys see. 
And a lot of times people beat up on those who are closest to them. Like I remember in the beginning, I used to have a client who would talk to me crazy. Like you motherfucker, you fat mother, this heavy E. I'm like, heavy E? What, <laughs> bitch? I'll knock the shit out of you. Now, you know. Early, early. Like you ever think about somebody <laughs> respectfully, who respectfully. Like in high school? Respectfully, literally, I, uh, now I'm a completely different person. And I be wanting revenge on people, man. <laughs> I remember not too long ago, I went on Facebook and tried to find somebody from high school who said something crazy that I let slide. I'm like, yo, I wish I was who I am now then. Like, yeah. what? H high school reunion might yeah, be. Yeah, I'm like, I was trying parents. to find them and fight. I'm like, this is ridiculous. They probably don't even remember what you, what they said to you, yeah. you know? But like, and I would take that kind of stuff because that's how I grew up. Like my dad is like, he's from Detroit. He's a, a, a hood kind of guy. He would talk to us like that. Motherfucker this, motherfucker that. But that's how he was raised too. And so I'm, in my mind, I'm like, oh, this is like, this is how people talk, yeah. you know? It wasn't until I did my own little soul searching and, you know, some therapy and stuff that I'm like, yo, this is toxic. And it ain't even worth it. I'm getting cussed out for $50. So in my mind, I'm thinking right, right, right now. $50. That's not no, worth it. Like, so you have a, how do you balance your personal life, right? Because it seems like you're putting your clients first, right? You, even if you have ideas, you're giving it to your clients. This is all What's, hindsight. I want to like, say, this is hindsight, guys. This is like, now you have now work life balance? I'm, great personal life like the same way I said I would try to the same way I would have to um, budget my time with clients like okay this client's gonna get this much time and this client's gonna get this much time like I budget my own life in there too okay you know at one point you can call me at 2 a.m. I'm like hello I'm always up now it's like 2 a.m. I'm like nigga no what the fuck <laughs> so I, I have created boundaries I had to learn boundaries but I can say a lot of people start and they don't have boundaries like so many people, like when I listen to like these Zoom calls or these webinars, like their claim to fame is like, you know, I was working with someone so and I was living in my car, I was homeless, or I spent my last to go here. And I'm like, why is that the story? Like, why is that something that we should celebrate? Like, you know, like for me, it's like, yeah, I was living on a couch. We all lived on a couch. That's not the story. And they're like, I got <laughs> off the couch. And that's what I want to talk about, like getting off of it. Um, but I think so for so many of us, we feel like we have to struggle in order to, uh, to be validated. It validated. Yeah. I even did my first TV deal, I knew it was a fucked up deal. I knew it was fucked up. I knew like everyone was making way more than me. And I, I, I think like I executive producing a show, like a TV show, executive producer, you would think you get some checks. It was $2,000. And I'm like, what? For the entire series? For the $2,000. Wow. And I had an attorney who was experienced. I had an agent who was experienced. And what the agent told me was like, you know, you always take an L on your first deal. Like, have you ever heard that before? Like, you yeah, always yeah, take an L on the first. Uh, music a lot. That's what that. everybody says, and we're so accustomed to thinking that way. Like, you take an L. Yeah, if I was doing this on my own, I should take an L. But nigga, this is like your hundreds deal. This is you've been yeah. doing this. Like, why am I taking L's? Why am I expected to take an L on my first deal? Like, you, this is my project. I'm EPing it. Like, y'all want to buy it? Clearly, there's a huge budget. I've worked. I've been blessed to work on different areas of television where I'm producing. I know what the producers are getting. I know what the talent is getting. I know what the marketing company is gonna get when they market it. How come I'm getting less than everybody and this is my shit? You know. And so for me, um, I I don't one back to your question, creating boundaries and then also uh, being knowledgeable, like to not have to go through those struggles. Um, is what I try to tell people. Like really ask. Like for me, I was embarrassed to ask certain questions. I remember I would go to parties and it would be like Diddy, like the most recent party before COVID, it was lit. I was at uh, uh, 50th? Yep, Diddy's 50th. And Beyonce said I was hot and I'm like, yeah, I know. Um, <laughs> but it was lit because like Kobe was there, rest in peace. Uh, and Marvin Sapp was singing, all these different people in the room. 
And I remember I used to go to parties like that, and I would you know, spend money I didn't have to look like I was a part of the crew. Just to stand this close to Beyonce or, or this close to somebody like an L.A. Reid or whoever and not say shit. Like, I won't even ask for a photo because I'm like, mm, in L.A., you don't ask for photos. You ask for photos, it's like, you're corny. Like, you got to look like you belong. So I wouldn't ask for photos and I would act like I was supposed to be there. And really, I realized that was doing a disservice to myself. Like, if God's putting you in these rooms, like, you got to humble yourself enough to ask questions. Like, you're in here for a reason. Like, you network. Like, don't come in here and already think that, like, your shit don't stink and you the hottest thing since sliced bread because you're in the party. Like, go, like, for me, I always see people take pictures at party. I'm like, whose number did you get? Like, what follow-up is going to happen? You get a meeting set up? Like, that's more impressive to me than an Instagram feed full of celebrity images. And so all this is, like, stuff I just had to learn over time. So one is, like, knowledge and then boundaries. And I hope I answered the question because I, I thought about Beyonce and started rambling. <laughs> <laughs> Shout out to Beyonce. Yeah, because I'm like, this is a moment right here. That's yeah. a moment. Let, let, me, yeah. let me ask you this, to switch gears a little bit on the marketing side, because yeah. um, you have a book about social media. Yeah. Um, let me just say something really quickly, because we saw what happened to B. Simone, and they said she plagiarized it. Oh, yes. I plagiarized that entire book. Not if, the entire if, book, if you're not but a, a if nice, you're not cheating, you're a nice not percentage trying. of it. But here's what I did. It's, I didn't say written by me, it's curated by me. Like you're paying for me to curate this in a way to where it's, you have a million captions, it's like, oh, you want a party caption, you want a caption with your friends, you want a caption for uh, a sub, uh, subliminal disc. Like I'm curating it, adding my own things into it while still sourcing the people who I got the, the things from, but I ain't write it. So when they come on, I'm like, he stole my caption. I gave you credit on the last page and I said I curated it, I didn't write it. Uh, but yeah, go ahead. There you have Shout it. Shout out to be someone. PC yeah. has been given. Um, so yeah, you, you have a book about social media and I feel like social media has really changed the game like I said before and now marketing, I feel like whether you're a artist, whether you're a small business owner, whatever, mm. social media is like everything, right? Mm -hmm. So you have a whole book about it, curated. Mm -hmm. what, is some, what is some tips that you have for your clients or like how do you, like is that part of like being a, a publicist as well as far as like to help your clients understand? Because I feel like a lot of people don't really understand social media. And I actually um, have given a lot of tips to different people in the business mm -hmm. world. And um, I'm actually thinking about being a social media consultant myself, actually. Why not? Why not? Why not? Um, and I feel like people just completely don't get it. Like they, they, they might like have a great personality. They mm -hmm. might have great content. They have the potential to make great content, but it's just a weird vibe for a lot of people. So social media, how do you, how do you handle that for people? Um, I don't think that's necessarily a job of a traditional publicist. Like, they're like, we do PR. That's, you have a social media manager for that and maybe a marketing manager for the marketing stuff. But going back to what I said initially, like being with a client who had nobody else mm -hmm. and just having to do things, I didn't really know like that wasn't the job of a publicist. And so I really like mastered my skill in those different areas to where it's like, oh shit, like I just kind of taught myself two new skills that I can monetize on differently outside of PR. Sounds like three checks, you know? And so um, for me, because of that, I, I can do it. But I don't think a traditional uh, publicist would do it. Like, so for social media, for example, one of my clients before COVID was Fox Soul. It's like the new streaming platform from Fox. Oh, yeah. So, Is that owned by Fox? Yeah, it's owned by Fox, okay. but it's like completely black owned and ran. It's, it's black, black, it's black, black owned. Ran. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. You know. <laughs> Black news. I've been watching the Twitter. Black on black on this. You know, like, uh-uh. Uh, <laughs> my friend, he's the head of uh, Fox, so he's a black man. But it is uh, under Fox. Rupert Murdoch. Rupert Murdoch, yeah. Yeah, okay. James Dubose. But uh, so with them, like, I got that job to do social media uh, managing for them. So when I got it, 
They had like maybe 400 followers on Instagram, no YouTube, nothing. And so my team and I, like we came up with the whole, how the page was gonna look, uh, getting the content from their platforms, editing it up, putting it up there with like dope captions and really cross promoting with other uh, Instagram pages and YouTube pages and Twitter. And then when I finished, like I had grown that Instagram page, I think it was like 60,000 followers and the YouTube had 100,000 subscribers in a matter of four months. And so I don't think that's something that a typical publicist would do, but because I had to do that with other clients, it's like, oh, I could do that, marketing. So right now I'm working on a marketing campaign for BT for Chronicles, which is um, a docu-series on No Limit and Rough Riders. Has nothing to do with PR. There's no press element at all. It's simply um, experiential in terms of marketing and like the creative campaign that I came up with. How did, how did you, how did you, help, how did you help grow the page in the, in the YouTube page that fast? Uh, well, the thing about Fox Soul, every there was so much content. So every day from six to ten, it's four hours, five days a week. There was a show on. So what is that? Like twenty hours a week, I think. Um, so with twenty hours of content, like we would just constantly do the feed, and then in buying social ads, like through Facebook, or making sure like when you click other outlets that are similar, like let's say Fox Soul could be similar to The Real or to Wendy Williams in terms of in terms of the talent. When you click a Wendy Williams video, you get a Fox Soul ad. Like, it'll be like, Fox Soul's like, what is this, who's that? And then also, what I was saying for you guys in terms of like getting excerpts of like your interviews, like well, Ryan Leslie says this, or so-and-so says that, and sending that to blogs, that's one way. Another way, or I guess a visual way of that would be taking a clip, like you don't want to send someone an hour-long interview, like I don't have time to listen to it. So I would take an, a minute interview, a minute clip and I would send that out to Shade Room or to Ball Alert or to Neighborhood Talk or to whoever and they would tag us like this is via Fox Soul so people would come and follow. Did, did you pay for that? No, no, not at all. Oh yeah? And that was strategically done because I feel like once you pay, no matter if your clip is good or not, they want they you expect to pay from that one. So I would send stuff all the time. And mind you, it's five days a week. There's stuff, four shows a day. I would always send stuff. They didn't post everything but the things that they did post was stuff that was polarizing like for example, now they have uh, the show at Lisa Ray and Vivica Fox on there, whatever. So Lisa Ray's talking about Nicki Minaj. Of course they're gonna post that. So what we realize is like we gotta really go in and find things that are topical. Like instead of just doing an interview with somebody about publicity, it's like what question can you ask them that other people would care about if they had no idea who I was? For example, if no one had no idea who I was or no idea who you were, what would make somebody post a clip? I would then say, well, we're gonna ask a question like this. Hollywood, uh, Variety magazine just did a cover like the state of black Hollywood. Mm -hmm. It's like talk to us about being a black publicist in Hollywood. Uh, do you think uh, these white corporations are using Black Lives Matter as a way to get more publicity or do you think they really care from a PR perspective? So now that's something that is current and trending. People want to know about that because everyone is putting Black Lives Matter in their messaging. They don't care who I am, who you guys are, but it's the clip is a conversation piece that's going to get engagement on their Instagram page, which is why they're going to post it. It's like when you post a picture of yourself, you're like, if you look good, you know people don't comment because you look good. If you don't, they're not. So you, even with like um, outlets, it's like, will people comment on this post? Yes or no, you know? And so I think that's something that would be a conversation piece. And then from there, I would take that post and I might go put it on the Black Startup page or I might put it on Talk to Pops on Instagram, um, not necessarily the Shade Room. And that's another thing people gotta realize too, that there are micro blogs that are more important to me mm -hmm. than the ones who have millions and millions of followers. So it's a niche, it's a niche audience. Yeah, exactly. Like if I was going to promote- Like Earn Your Leisure. Yeah, Earn Your Leisure. If I was going to promote your podcast, I don't necessarily think I would put it on the shade room because even if it's the great content, people on there are ultimately there to be shady. They mm -hmm. want to have the top comment. So 
I'm gonna spend my money or my ad on shade room for them to talk about me and talk about, oh, your shirt don't fit, or your, your head bald. He shouldn't like, be wearing yeah, green. It's like, it's like, nah, I don't want that. Or am I gonna put it on like uh, uh, Wealth to Prosperity's Instagram page or something like that to where people on there are only following this page because they want knowledge and information and they want to do a business. Like for me, I DM'd you guys back in March for something, I forget what campaign I was working. I didn't get a reply, by the way. Oh, did but, you? Yeah, it's still there. I we checked. gotta talk to our publicist. I, said, <laughs> I don't even know if y'all do ads, but at the time I DM'd, I'm like, yo, how much would it be for an ad on this page? Because for me, I'm like, you guys are the perfect page to monetize black businesses or just business in general, because everybody following it wants to start a business. They want to know something about something. For example, when I did the Breakfast Club, I was on there with a hat and uh, like a, a, a hoodie on or something. Like, I didn't even think about image i thought i was talking to friends i didn't care about it coming on here i'm like hold on let me go in the closet and get something (laughs) (laughs) because i know the audience everyone who listens either has a business or wants to start a business yeah and when you have a business you want to hire a publicist you don't hire me and i'm on here like you know just slouching with my little (laughs) you know i'm like let me put my best foot forward let me put my louis vuittons on it even though i didn't know we wasn't going to be able to see the feet out of (laughs) work you know but nonetheless i put my check the wrist check the wrist check the wrist i understand the audience for this platform yeah and i think that's what people got in marketing got to understand the audience like people advertise on places that don't even care just because of followers and numbers not engagement or like what that audience is into Sp- speaking of variety can we can we talk about the the coalition that you guys form my publicist is black yeah and the representation i know i mean presence is everything and i know there's probably a lack of black publicists in hollywood and probably new york as well why do we we form the coalition what's its purpose so uh in 2018, I wore a jacket to Beyonce and Jay-Z's On The Run concert that said, Beyonce's publicist is black. I wasn't trying to really send a message other than like a big fuck you to somebody who told me they wouldn't take me on as a, as a they wouldn't let me take their client on as their publicist because they wanted to have white press. And because I was black, all I could do was black press. And I'm like, well, Beyonce's publicist is black. And they're like, no, she's not. And I'm like, no, she really is. Like, well, she probably has a white publicist too. And so I'm like, mm, let me go look into it. And so I went and researched publicist Yvette Noel Shore and she had been with Beyonce since Destiny's Child mm. and before that she was with Mariah Carey and then she was with Prince and Adele and Jessica Simpson and all these big names of black and white and I'm like yo this is who I need to aspire to be like and it's like for me it instantly changed the narrative of what people would have you to believe it's like a black publicist you can only do urban stuff and a white publicist can do general market stuff this is a black woman who has no white publicist or she's not someone's indie publicist she's the publicist and she has Beyonce on Vogue and she also knows enough about culture to have Beyonce talking to Angie Martinez or to talking to people who reach the culture and her core demographic, right? And so I put that on the jacket as like, yeah, she is black and I'm at the concert. I didn't think I would meet her at all because there's a million people there and I'm like, she probably in the back chilling, whatever. Um, but as fate would have it, uh, my friend uh, Dora, she called and was like, yo, I have, um, my husband's in LA going to the concert. He has like these, uh, passes where like the celebrities hang out. Cause I had bought a $500 band? ticket. You had the gold band. Yeah, my ticket was gonna be up in the front, like front row, I paid for that ticket. She got me a ticket where I was further back and at first I'm like, yo, my seat way up there, why am I back here? But you're on the risers. Mm-hmm. And literally like I'm standing with Kim Kardashian and Kris Jenner and, and all these different people. And then here comes Beyonce's publicist, Yvette Noel Shore. And so she sees the jacket. Um, I didn't even know that June Ambrose had already taken a picture of it and sent it to her. So she was looking for me and we took a picture and she's like, here, take my number down. I'm gonna send you the picture. I'm like, all right, cool. Send me the picture. I didn't think I'd ever talk to the woman again. I'm like, you busy, whatever. 
the very next day she called me and she was like, yo, I wanted to have a real conversation because I understood what you meant by the jacket. And so she started telling me all these stories about how she had been marginalized and how people would try to take Beyonce from her and uh, different firms were like, well, you need to go with this company or uh, John Legend. I remember she was telling me a story that they convinced him to bring on another publicist to get him an outlet that they thought she couldn't get. Mm -hmm. Meanwhile, they still never had gotten the outlet when they hired him. And so um, she's like, yeah, I have gone through it, through it as well. And so from there, she involved a couple other people. We brought in Vanessa Anderson. She represents Issa Rae and DJ Mustard. Um, and then uh, Erica Tucker does Yara Shahidi and Kendrick Sampson. He's doing all the Black Lives Matter stuff from Insecure. Mm -hmm. And Trell Thomas works with Tina Knowles. Because at first, Miss Knowles or Miss Knowles Lawson was going to have us do a panel at her theater. And that's how he was involved. Like, we're going to do a panel at Waco talking about like black PR and black publicists. And I'm like, okay, cool. And then from there, it just grew. And so then the last person she brought in was Felicia Font from Columbia. She's like the head of um, Urban there and does so many people as well. And so we just started having conversations with people. We had no intentions of like making it anything really. And then it wasn't until we did like um, in COVID, we had a Zoom call. We did one in Beverly Hills, one in Harlem at Langston Hughes' house. And we did a COVID one and we had maybe like almost a thousand people on there on Zoom. I'm like, damn, these people really showed up. And we saw how impactful it was, like we need to do something. And so we um, have turned it into a nonprofit organization. Because what we realize is like you can, like again, sacrificing yourself, like I said earlier, and not knowing your worth, you can devote so much time to your client and in the end have nothing. Because for example, I'll see what examples. So for example, I'm representing Earn Your Leisure and I'm doing all this press for you guys now, all this money is coming in and y'all getting all these ads, y'all balling, y'all got the Porsches, the Bentleys, or whatever. My rate is still my rate. I'm still getting $1,000 a month. But I, I did all this stuff to help elevate your brand and get you so much income that when it's all said and done, like I could potentially be broke. And there was a situation where, going back to the woman, Terry Williams, who I mentioned her book that I'm reading, it's called Black Pain, um, just because we make it look good doesn't mean we're hurting. Um, her book, like I said she worked with Eddie Murphy. Now she's in a nursing home. Mm. And we're like, does Eddie Murphy know? Does anybody know? Like, is anybody helping this woman out? So the nonprofit started because we wanted to help her. We wanted to give her money. We wanted to take donations for her. Um, um, and so we're like, well, we can help other people because there's more than one Terry out there. Imagine, like, there's so many people who probably were lit at one point and mm -hmm. devoted so much to somebody. And then, because that's what happens, honestly, and this is the sad truth. I don't want to be long winded. But as a black publicist, what happens is that, like you become discarded. Like I can take Earn Your Leisure to New Heights. Like we are competing with Gary Vee, we are on the top of the podcast charts. I didn't got y'all a TV show, now y'all on Fox with Murdoch, or Fox Soul with DuBose, whatever, you know? <laughs> and you guys are so big that when before, in this moment here, how many PR people have reached out to represent you guys at this point, in this moment? Not a lot. Not a lot? So I take you to a point where now all the top firms are reaching out to hire y'all. And y'all think, well, shit, we want to elevate, so we got to go with the big firm. And y'all dropped my black ass. Like, I helped y'all when we was nothing, when we was, you know, trapping out this nice mansion. <laughs> you know, Don't let that go over your head. You know what I'm saying? I helped y'all then, you know, when it was marble on the floor. But not so much the trap, but I helped you, I helped you when we were, like, on the come up, right? There's no loyalty in, in this industry. It's like you want to go to whoever is hot next. And so if you don't, again, budget, and how it's hard to budget, because my white counterparts are getting paid double, three times what I'm getting paid. You know, like, I remember, like I said earlier, like, oh, I'm charging my 5,000, like, that's so much money. 
And I'm like, well, as a white publicist who also represents, represented someone equivalent to what I was representing, like how much did they pay? 15000 a month, 20000 a month, $100,000 a month. I'm like, God damn, what is happening? And I'm like, it's only like for like the black people, like I feel like, and this is only my experience, some might have a different experience, is that you expect more, but you also expect to pay less. Yeah. That's, you know, it's, I, 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 I think that, that's something that's across the board as far as black businesses. It's like, stop disrespecting the, the, the entrepreneurs. Because mm -hmm. yeah. like, like, you know, essentially our entrepreneurs are our future. And like I said, no matter how good a rapper is, Derek Falcon said this on my podcast, shout out to him, one of my favorite alumni, episodes 11. Their, their career is short-lived. No, no matter how fast you can run on a football, for, your, yeah. your, your career is short-lived. But you can do what you're doing for 60 years that like you can you God could be a publicist really. when you're 80 years old so it's like you a lot of times we we devalue the the entrepreneurs yeah and that's whether it's a barbershop owner or whether it's a publicist it's like you're always trying to get a deal and that just comes psychologically i think from not valuing ourselves enough like we don't look at ourselves as valuable enough because a white person can come and just say anything and it's like oh they're well, white they got a suit on <laughs> they must be true yeah. <laughs> monique said this right and this is so funny because I remember when Monique was doing her like equal pay thing, we were like, shut up, Monique. But then <laughs> if you go back and listen to those interviews in today's landscape, like literally you hear it differently. And I'm like, oh, oh, she was saying some real shit. You know, like she was really preaching. And I think the reason why they're able to pay less, and this is a quote that she said that she brought from someone else. She said, what one, what they understand is that what one nigga won't do, another nigga will. And so if we're all three publicists and I'm saying my rate is what this white person's rate is. But then y'all coming behind me like, I do it for 2,500, I got you. And then you like, 25, I get you for 1,500. It's taking value away from me. No one's ever gonna get that rate because there's no standard across the board. Mm -hmm. And as much as like, I feel like that's uh, counterproductive, I also understand it. If you're not getting opportunities and nobody wants to hire you, and then this person's giving you 1,500, it's like me with the $50 a placement. I knew that was cheap. I had no money. It's like, I, I know it's wrong, but I got to eat ultimately you know what i mean and that's why i started my, my own company it wasn't because i wanted to be a boss and entrepreneurship was in now it's in like if you're starting a business now there's so many resources this is a major resource to help you start a business i was listening to almost started the damn vending machine this is a real earner for real right you know but at that time entrepreneurship was not cool it was like entrepreneurship okay but i did it because i know one would hire me i was only getting internship jobs and then when the internship was over, they would hire somebody who just came in. It wasn't like they were promoting within. And so I had to take those rates. And so I, I honestly feel like having like the, the broader conversation, like with the My Publicist is Black or having conversations like this, it um, allows you to, to hopefully shift change uh, in terms of those, shift change with people who are making the decisions on who, who to hire. Right now, as a black publicist, send your resumes out. Everybody wants somebody black. There are people out there saying, we want to see your team, your leadership team. Like, who's on there? Who's black? Are they boycotting, right? Like, so many companies, they were saying, like, oh, Uber, like, 1% black or representation or whatever. Now is the time to be a black publicist. You go and you apply for those jobs, get those jobs, and charge those rates. Don't so how do, you, no how, do you, how do you feel you asked that question before, but I'm actually interested once you bring it up. There's a lot of PR going on right now, mm -hmm. Black Lives Matter, mm -hmm. whether it's Nike, whether it's every company has some form. I feel like you had to make a statement. Mm -hmm. If you didn't make a statement, it was like you was complicit with everything that was going on. So every company pretty much made a statement. Mm -hmm. Some companies like Netflix have even went further and they put $100 million into like black owned banks. So everybody's kind of like doing their own thing. Mm -hmm. As a publicist, is this just PR spin? 
Is it good? Is it something that's gonna last? Like, what's your thoughts on the whole Black Lives Matter? I think, uh, there's so many layers to it, because I watched it all happen. So I think there were some companies who said nothing at first. And then it was Blackout Tuesday, you just put a black square and you, you didn't, weren't responsible for leaving a caption or nothing. Companies took advantage of that. It's like, that's how we could satisfy yeah. both sides. <laughs> put the black square, it don't mean shit. You know, like, it's just a black square. The whites are cool, the blacks are cool, we, perfect. No, so for me, I think people who do stuff like that, or they just put like, we stand with Black Lives Matter, almost like, literally, where you guys are at, like a couple weeks ago, this shit looked like Iraq. Like houses were getting burnt, businesses was towed up, they was looting and rioting, like literally a block from where you guys are now, to the point where all businesses spray painted on this stuff, like Black Lives Matter, BLM, black owned, to protect their business. And I feel like that is the same thing that I see online with companies when they put the Black Lives Matter, like standard uh, templates, like black and gray with like a fist, and it's like Black Lives Matter. I feel like they're just doing that to protect their businesses. The ones that I do like say, okay, y'all really are rocking with us are the ones who have, made an effort to commit to something mm-hmm. where it's like okay we're like you said netflix we're going to commit 100 million dollars to black owned banks or we're going to diversify our c-suite and hire more black people or whatever and uh, as funny <laughs> i'm like y'all like black people's inventing yesterday like y'all doing all this shit like, <laughs> that's why it's, it's easy yeah, to it, protest it, when yeah. everyone's protesting yeah, it's, it's easy to ride when everyone's super riding. easy but i'm saying yeah even if, even if they are doing it for like their own to save face as a black entrepreneur a black business person you go get your money like you wanted somebody black to stand next, it's gonna cost you to be to, for me to stand yeah. next to you and to give you that. I, I've never had to educate so many people on the black experience. Than I awesome. had enough. <laughs> but you know what? Let me tell you something else though. I have made more money in this COVID quarantine than I've made probably in the last five years. Never wasted good Collect- crisis. Collectively. No, never wasted I'm like, y'all want to learn about the black experience? Hold on. <laughs> Remit payment. <laughs> like, I'll teach you about everything you need to know. You know? And so literally, I've been helping people behind the scenes. Like, I've made so much money. It's ridiculous. But, um, I, and I think that's also not fair to ask people to help you and not pay them either. Because literally, like, in high school, did y'all learn about Black Wall Street? Did y'all learn about what happened in Tulsa? Did y'all learn about like um, slave? Yeah, we learned about like the slavery and the, the since they wanted us to learn about it, but did you go deep into it the way that we are now? No, we had to go seek that information for ourselves. So I did the work to learn this. So if you want to capitalize off the work and the time I invested in myself to learn, you got to pay. Um, but I say all that to say, some companies, I feel like a lot of people are doing it because at this point, it's it's um, you're going to get blackballed or blacklisted if you have not mentioned or said you're standing they're looking at you they're looking at you crazy yeah you're looking crazy so that, now it's like yeah black lives matter whatever but it's like what what are you doing to further that yeah we gotta see you i know? mean i saw facebook for, for one it was like they're gonna donate 100 million dollars to black causes and it's like what does that even mean yeah but i want you to be specific <laughs> yeah there's no specific it's like yo where, where do i apply for that people and then at the time remember um what was the minnesota like uh bail fund or what freedom fund or whatever where they're bailing people out of jail mm-hmm. uh right when george floyd, floyd did pass away they got so many donations they put on the website we ain't taking no more give to other places. I'm like, I never heard nobody say we got too much money. I'm like, y'all was really just giving them guilt money. Y'all was just sending checks or whatever. And so I feel like for me, if you're gonna give money, it also tells me a lot about you when I see who you gave the money to. Because it's so easy to say, I gave money to Black Lives Matter, or I gave money to NAACP because they're like staples in the community. But it's like, what about these organizations that no one knows about that really could benefit from? Yeah. No, that's a, and, 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 and that's a good point that you bring up too, because there's always in any crisis, there's always opportunity, mm-hmm. and it's like not to sound callous about it, but it's just a reality. Whether it was COVID, there was a lot of opportunity in just COVID situations. A lot of people yeah. made a lot of money, and now the whole um, you know Black Lives Matter racial injustice situation. And I, I was talking to a friend of mine who, who works in the NBA. 
And he was telling me, he was like, he told all his guys, like, you know, like, look, like, there's going to be a lot of opportunity mm -hmm. as far as, like, for businesses and business people. And it's like, because now these companies feel like they got to wash away their sins <laughs> and they got to, like, spend money. And it's like they're looking for people mm -hmm. to really give money to, whether it's a, a black publicist, whether it's a black teacher that can teach their, their mm -hmm. staff about the racial injustices for the last 400 years, whether it's yeah. a black accountant, whether it's a black doctor, like they're looking to diversify, they're looking. So I say that to say, if you're an entrepreneur, if you're an investor, if you're, if you're black, this is a perfect opportunity right now to maybe reach out, make network and make yourself known because I've seen it firsthand where companies are actively looking to give money in a variety of different ways, whether it's inclusion programs, whether it's consultants, whether it's, a, you know, I have never really seen this much activity and we don't know how long it's going to last. So, right. you know. And if you are a white company who's hiring people, black people can do more than just head up the diversity and inclusion thing. Like literally everybody I was looking like, we hired What's somebody that? for diversity and inclusion. I'm like, well, goddamn, like, like imagine like going to college and learning and you're so talented at what you do. And they say, you're going to be here to talk about affirmative action and inclusion. Yeah. It's like, nigga, it's, it's like, the, it's like all yeah. I can get in the door is like, I've been, I've been putting those situations where it's like, yo, Hey, we're going to talk about race in schools and you're going to be the person. Right. And I'm like, yo, I'm living it. Like I said, I'm living it. It's enough living it. Don't now trying to explain yeah. it. And the thing, and the thing, and you know, I always look at me, I'm a little different because how I was raised was do for self. Like I never really was raised like on some inclusion type vibe. So I tell people all the time, like to me, support is a lot more efficient than boycotting. Mm -hmm. So it's like you boycotting and you putting pressure on it. That's good. But it's like, instead of focusing that energy, focus your energy on building something that you are a part of or you, in your community, right? So it's like, let's say there's a top um, PR firm who only has white people and it's like, all right, we're going to boycott this PR firm until they hire three black PR. But it's like, you already have your own PR firm. Right. Why don't we, because that's already a boycott. If you, if you, if you, if you, if you focus your, your energy and you, you actually give business to real black owned businesses, yeah. technically you're already boycotting that because you're taking money away from where you were spending it. Yeah. Right. But the problem with the boycotts, like the Gucci situation, like, okay, we're going to stop wearing Gucci until they make some flip flops. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. Three months. Okay. Oh, but get, what's really changed, oh, right? It's da like, Dapper Dan is now the head of design. Yeah. Okay. We're back. But it's like, if you have like a black owned designer, then that's already taking money out of Gucci because you're, you're just, you don't have to like force them to make, okay, we're going to come to Harlem and eat at Sylvia's. <laughs> like, you know Take a photo. <laughs> yeah. like, I mean, it's like, I just don't, I just, I still to this day don't fully understand why black people a lot of times are just so fascinated with being accepted by white people. It's really fascinating to me when it's like, um, I don't really see any other culture that has tried so hard to be accepted, and it's like abusive relationship. Like you're hoping it's gonna change. That, it's really not. I think that's systemic. They're yeah. still beating you. That's, that's <laughs> you know what I'm I was gonna that's, say that's that's the systemic part, yeah, right? Yeah, for like, sure. I think it's systemic. And then also, I think, yeah, you can say, oh, come and like patronize with my company versus like trying to have this big company hire black people. But I think ultimately, it's like everybody doesn't want to be an entrepreneur. Everybody, and that's another thing. Everyone is not built to be an entrepreneur. Some people just want to work for a company. And unfortunately for me in the way that my company is ran, I, I don't, my company isn't scaled the same way as like a PMK or like a Rogers and Cowan or whatever, you know what I mean? So 
I can understand why you might want to go work over there because you're going to get your benefits and your salary is going to be bigger, whatever. It's a bigger office. You might have a corner suite. You ain't getting that over here, you know, but we're going to work hard. We're going to do some things that are dope and you're going to get paid. But, but let, let me ask you this, hypothetically speaking, uh -huh. right? So you, 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 you have your whole coalition of what the, my, my publicist is black. Yeah. You network with. So what's stopping you guys from coming together and making your own top agency? Where maybe now you can scale it. Stay tuned. Stay <laughs> tuned. Because why, why, why yeah. not, right? Yeah. yeah why I was, was going to piggyback on and that you question. you have the biggest, and you have these big talents. Like, yeah. You know, like you have fucking coming with Beyonce to the table, and then you got fucking Issa over here. You can do a lot. Because you know everything I mean? so is like, like you look coming. at like a Wells Fargo. Like a lot of these different companies were like two names or three names mm -hmm. is because two or three people came, came together, together at mm -hmm. one point yeah. and they formed a company. Mm -hmm. That's something that black entrepreneurs don't do a lot of either. Yeah. Small businesses stay small because they're not scaling and it's small. Right. But three small businesses can come together and make a mid-sized mm -hmm. business or a larger business. Yeah. Thankfully, I found the right group of people who, who um, their thinking is in alignment with what you just said. Because I had tried that early on and we couldn't get past the name. Like my company is not like <laughs> Ernest Duke's publicity. Like a lot of people, they use our name, like, you know, Ray Charles publicity or whatever. Mine is not that I wanted it to be something that like, if I ever wanted to leave this one day, it can still go on and it's not like tied into me. Also, cause my mouth is crazy too. I might say something in this interview that's gonna get me blacklisted. And now I ain't gonna <laughs> fuck with the company no more. It's like, no, no, you know? And so um, we couldn't get past the name. Like the people, like let's say the three of us were gonna do it. He's like, nah, I want it to be my name first. Or you want your name first. And I'm like, what the fuck? Like, we ain't even got no clients yeah. yet. Like, we talking about a name. And so <laughs> it couldn't happen. And also because, like, it's so competitive. At least when you, it's my peers. Like, people were my age and we all came up around the same time. It's super competitive. But um, with this, my publicist is black. I believe I'm the youngest one on the entire thing. You know, and everyone has different levels of experience. They've been around for decades and whatever. They all do different things, but we're not competing, we're collaborating. So just like you guys have like assets over liabilities, I'm like collaboration over competition. And that's where our mindset is. And we're able to say like, you know, we should do this. But before, like it wasn't, it was like, we're too competitive. Cause we think like of like a crabs in a barrel mentality. Like, you know, there can only be one. And I hate when people say crabs in a barrel because like crabs don't even belong in barrels. Like no one ever questions that. It's just like, yeah, we crabs in a barrel. They, you know, it's <laughs> like, no, like there really is so much money yeah, for everybody yeah. to eat. It's enough but, for everybody. Well, what's, what's your thoughts on, on quote unquote black Hollywood? What's the future of it? Or is it black Atlanta now? Because, you know, Tyler Perry Studios they is huge. What, what, what's, <laughs> what, what's your thoughts on it? No, actually, you know what? Tyler Perry Studios, I think, is going to be something that's super dope. And I see a lot of uh, things are done there already. I've done. I've done uh, multiple productions on his studio lot, so I don't want to speak to that. Uh, the future of Black Hollywood, to me, seems like, uh, and I hope it's not just a moment, but I think people are starting to really see the value that Black people bring in terms of their experiences. Like even like with these um, animated series, like the guy who plays in Cleveland, Cleveland or whatever, he's like, I'm not gonna voice him anymore. I think somebody Black should be the voice of him. Well, I mean, you could have 20 years to say that. You mean that, whatever. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Oh, Cleveland? Show. The guy's white? Yeah. I never knew that. That's, that's he crazy racial. Close stuff. your eyes. He do sound That's like very, very racist. <laughs> like, I can hear the, melan that's, the lack I, of melanin. That's amazing. Uh, but <laughs> do I think people are that's making racist. more conscious decisions like that. Yeah. Like, okay, we need uh, representation here. Black representation, authentic black voices to be heard. We want to hire black and diversify. And so I think it's an exciting time. We, we walked into like this pandemic, like the year's over, can't, summer's canceled, whatever. I feel like 
all this stuff, although there has been some bad things that have happened and people have lost their lives, lost their homes, whatever. Um, I think there's also good too. I think we had to kind of do like a hard reset, you know, to where like no one should want to go back out of out of this pandemic. Like we want to go back to normal. Like what's normal? Like, what like what I was asking normal? about yeah. TV yeah. earlier before we filmed. I'm like, y'all still want to watch that? I don't care about that no more. Like yeah. I've been in the house. I didn't watch so much TV. Like I don't want to see nothing else. Like, yeah. you know? So like we're creating a new normal, and I think the new normal is going to include diversity and. Um, amplifying and supporting black voices. Yeah, I'm thinking about this, like I'm going all the way back now, like you started out as a publicist, mm. but you also executive produced, like how did you gravitate toward that and where did you get the skill? Is it just being on the scene and learning as you with, no. with your clients or did you like study that? No, so when I was working with uh, a PR, one of the people I interned for, yeah. um, well I didn't really intern, I'm not gonna lie, uh, she would outsource things to me. So she would pay me, she was based in Atlanta, her name's Teresa, she would, so let's, let's say uh, you're her client, you're in LA. She's like, can you go look after them in LA? Cause I don't want to fly in and it saves money. Of course, fine, whatever. So one of those people was Keisha Cole. And so I'm like uh, my own publicist, I have my own company, not really a real company. I just had a logo on a website. I didn't do nothing like to like really register it, but I thought that's all I needed. So I'm thinking I'm like this big mogul type nigga, I got a company. And so she's like, can you look after my client? I'm like, sure, whatever. So I look after Keisha Cole, and at the end of us uh, working together for that day, it was a photo shoot for a magazine. She's like, oh, what are you doing? Do you want to come back to Cleveland with me and my husband and be my assistant? And in my mind, I'm like, assistant? I'm the boss, nigga, I have a company. <laughs> but I'm like, oh, wait, her publicist probably told her I was her assistant. Mm. And so she's like, well, you're an assistant. You want to work with her? You can work with me. And again, being broke, I was like, hell yeah. And so I moved to Cleveland and started working with her. And at that time, she had a reality show on BET. Yeah. And, um, Keisha is somebody who you have to really speak her language in order to communicate with her. Like there's a way to talk to her, which I think PR people, we've mastered the art of communicating with various type of people. Like if you're an introvert, we can sit here in silence and talk really loud. If you're extroverted, we could be extra as fuck together and we're gonna get the job done, whatever. You wanna talk and we're gonna curse, we could do that. You wanna smoke, I'm gonna smoke with you, we're gonna do it. I'm a chameleon in that way. So I mastered the art of communicating with her and so that production brought me on as a production assistant. Like they paid me in addition to her so that I can make sure she was on time and that she knew everything she had to do and that, because if she's late, it's gonna hold the whole production up. You know, mm -hmm. if she don't come downstairs for the day, you wasted money. And from there, um, when it was over, I was offered a job by that production company to work as the production assistant within their company. And I'm like, I wanna be a publicist, but this is paying more money, because I was paying $800 a week. Now I'm like, $800 a week versus the $50 a month, I mean $50 a placement, I'm like, hmm, I'm gonna do the $800 a week. So I went there and I just worked my way up to that company while simultaneously still doing publicity. Mm -hmm. So I would be working with Jackie Christie, getting her interviews, and then I would be at the production company answering phones because I wanted that extra income and I wanted to learn. And so in that company, I went from a production assistant to a casting associate, which is like the casting assistant, to like a field produ producer, a segment producer, and I worked my way up to an executive producer. And gotcha. one thing I would say is that like people, when you demonstrate like what you're good at and your strengths, people will hire you and they'll rock with you. They may not like you, but they'll call you when the money is there because they know you can get the job done and they can trust you. And so that same guy who hired me as a production assistant is also who brought me in for Fox Soul to do that because he now is the head of Fox Soul, James DuBose. Mm -hmm. uh, and so it's like a testament to having good relationships and also like having a vision. Like I knew when I was answering the phones, I'm like, I barely answer my own phone. I don't want to answer this phone. But I knew I was able to see other people in the company who were driving nice cars and they were making nice salaries. And I'm like, I wanna get to that point. So I'm gonna do what I have to do so I can do what I wanna do later. And that's really how it came about. And as I got more credits, other people would hire me. 
you know? So then I went an EP, like Tammy Roman special for VH1, Tammy Ever After. And then, like I said, we got the Bonnet Chronicle mm-hmm. show with Scripted. And then I got another show on BET Her um, with Queen Latifah's company and just really like showcasing like, okay, what you're able to do and not just saying that you can do it, which a lot of people do, like I'm a producer, I'm a whatever. It's like, I can show you like what I've been able to do. You know, so even when I took that L and I said I got $2,000, I got booked for another job and I, I made what I was supposed to make on that one. Mm-hmm. So I guess they were right. You got to take an L on your first one. But I still don't think you had to like, you don't have to hurt yourself or less of your value in order to be successful. But it ended up working out for me, for sure. So Ernest, it's been a pleasure. One last question. The God most damn, important. Man, the most come important. on. They tired. They didn't already the interview already. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> Probably been four ads. And hit that little 15-second thing four times to skip it. Like, that's what I be doing. And like, bevel. Uh, no, uh Fuck out of here. Shout out to bevel. Oh, <laughs> uh, the most important question. I'm sorry. <laughs> most important question that Wait, I have. Wait, no. Anchor. Shout out to Anchor. Shout out to them too. Shout out to Anchor. I don't skip that one. The good people of Spotify. (laughs) Um, How do you get verified on Instagram? Uh, There are various ways to do it. Um, The easiest. Asking for a friend. The easiest. (laughs) (laughs) You can ask for whatever you want to ask for. I'm going to ask for my check. Uh, But um, I think the easiest way to do it is one, if you're like on a TV show, like companies like Viacom or VH1, they take ads out or they do ads with uh, Facebook, which owns Instagram, they can, they are like allowed a certain amount of people they can verify. So they'll verify you easily. Or the key is to get like write-ups um, that are, all right, so are you familiar with domain authorities, like the rating, like the DA rating? No. All right, so I wasn't at first either. So like imagine like a, a site like Google, they have like a domain authority of 100. I mean, so many people go there, everybody knows Google, it's like a verifiable type of thing. Mm-hmm. Whereas like, uh, plant-based hustlers.com they may have like a domain authority of 20 like no one goes there they're not getting ads people aren't linking things back to their site or whatever and so you have to have i think it's like a minimum of like five uh articles about you on on a outlets that have like a domain authority of 70 or higher so like if you get an article in like forbes or an like article a yahoo like finance a, yeah exactly you do those then then they see you as somebody who needs to be verified like you are a person who these people vouch for who know who you are and therefore you can get verified or another way to do it is like in this you know you have some interns or whatever create a bunch of fake pages earn your leisure but e-r-n like my do mine earn your leisure and then it's like okay put the same logo on there and just upload shit do a couple of those and then they're going to verify you because they feel like there is too much confusion on who the accurate one is like they're imposters impostering you um or having just knowing somebody i don't know I don't know who that somebody is because I've seen people pay and they ain't got nothing out of it. Mm-hmm. You know, they didn't get verified or nothing. They just got swindled. Um, but I think those are the two most effective ways to do it. You know? Okay. You trying to get verified? We should be verified. I'm we're, we're you know, you verified in the streets. No, first and that's, foremost. That's a fact. No, first and no, foremost. No, that's a fact. I was about to say <laughs> that. You are, you verified no, 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 no. That's, no, 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 no. that's first and foremost. No, for sure. Respectfully. But it, it still, <laughs> respectfully. But it's still, like, obviously. <laughs> respectfully. But I still, you know, obviously people like, oh, they ain't verified. You know, like, the, the, it helps, the, it the helps. Gucci game go up when you get verified. So I get it. Y'all want to be verified. Allegedly. Verified, respectfully. Honey, respectfully. I, respectfully. I, I cannot confirm nor deny that. <laughs> I'm just saying, if, if the blue check can't do it, this house might get the job. <laughs> okay. Let me oh show you something. Let me show you Y'all got to do a house tour on a YouTube page. We're going to be on an Ernest. Vlog. YouTube Y'all got to do a home tour for real. Yeah, yeah, the Ernest Living Tour. 
Ernest Livingstone. <laughs> <laughs> Episode Ernie Elysia. I'm here for it. Uh, Ernest. No. Ernest. Shout out to the Ernest. Yeah, it's been a pleasure, bro. How can the people contact you? Any initiatives you want to make them aware of? Anything you have going on? No, just drink water and get your rest. Um, I am on Instagram <laughs> at Erndukes, E-R-N-D-U-K-E-S, and that's kind of consistent across all platforms. Nope. I don't follow back, but I do read on my DMs. <laughs> so, holla at me. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Troy, housekeeping item? Yeah, shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. Y'all know that's our Proud to Pay program. Uh, we have some new members. I uh, hope I get their names right. Akello is tier five, R. Brown, and Richard tier four. And you oh, know, know shout out to him. Yeah, I do know him. <laughs> do you? No. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, I, we don't know him yet. Uh, so shout out to uh, them. And you know, uh, with tier four and five members, you get access to EYL University. That is our online school, the number one business school in the world. Uh, with only over 70 webinars, uh, we got a book club, a movie club. We have the Breaking Bread session with our brother, MG, the mortgage guy, who we referenced earlier. So shout out to everybody that's been joining. And shout out to everybody that's been supporting the merch. We got some new merch on today. Shout out shout out to Mike for getting that merch yeah, out for us get, just in time. We got to get you some merch. We got to get you some merch. We probably can get you some before you leave. Yeah, um, yeah big, so big shout, sizes, I'm good. shout out to all the earners that's been supporting that. Yeah, and oh, once again, you forgot the um, real estate Facebook, or the investment Facebook. Oh, yes, 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 yes. Facebook. EYL University is a wave. That's the whole new wave that we're on right now. So, yeah, if you're interested, click the link in our bio. Um, thank you guys for rocking with us. Shout out to Los Angeles. Everybody always say, like, yo, y'all don't give L.A. enough love when y'all yeah, come here. So we're here in L.A., <laughs> and we will be doing more stuff in L.A. Once COVID is over, we're going to be doing events in L.A., we love it out here. Yeah. This is, Catch us on Runyon. We out yeah, there three times yeah, a week. Yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> so shout out to everybody in LA and all over the West Coast. Thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. Peace. 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 Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details.